Welcome to the GNJB show, episode number nine. Jacko, how's things, mate? I'm good, mate. Yourself, White Axe? Good, mate. We're at the Australian Championships at the moment. You had a good win yesterday. Yeah, good to win against South Australia. So moving on to the semi-finals on Saturday because my opponent's pulled out. That's today. right, yes. Injured, I believe, Eddie Kermy. We hope he gets better. And yep. uh, he's a good boy, he's Eddie. So hopefully we wish him all the best. But today we sat down with Jamie Pittman, the and Shara Roma, the National Futures Coach, Jamie is, 2004 Athens Olympic Captain, 2002 Manchester Commonwealth Games. He's given me a long list of things to write down, but I don't want to talk about the rest of them because they're boring. Jamie Pittman, g'day, mate. How's things? Hey, guys. How you going? Good, thank you. I mate. feel like we should have clapped after that list. No, cut it short. You should. You sent me this email with all these. Fucking <laughs> every amateur fight he ever had. How I be fucking so and so. How I'm thinking. Shit, we're not talking about this. Mate. So anyway, guys, look. Jamie is um, one of Australia's best coaches. Um, he had a great professional career as well as a long amateur career. Um, obviously, getting on in years a bit now. Um, but it's got the, the grey hair to prove it. It's snowing. Snowing. <laughs> snowing every day, apparently. But anyway, uh, mate, we've had many questions. People want to want to get to know you a bit about your role. Can you just give us a brief rundown about yourself, your position now, um, and then I suppose we'll we'll dig into parts of your life that are exciting for I suppose the people want to listen. Uh, yeah. Um, thanks for getting me on the show. It's always good to promote boxing, promote boxing Australia. Um, the National Futures Program was put together in January. Um, um, the head coach for youth across Australia, um, the Futures Program, uh, is to create um, six futures coaches in states and the best squads in that area for under-19s. So um, the, the best talent in those states and those regions will become together eight times a year in a high-performance squad camp and... Um, I collect data and reports and go out and see the camps and make sure they're run correctly and, and see what I can do to support the youth. So you have a coach under you in each state that sort of runs the program? You guys get together and work out programs, that sort of stuff, or is that how it works? Yeah, yeah, each region. Yeah, each so, region, sorry. Yeah, so there's a Northern Territory in South Australia, Tasmania oh, right. and ACT because yeah. of the smaller registrations. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, State futures coach in each state. Yeah. Um, communication is pretty much every day, five days a week with us coaches, because I think that's an important tool and um, something important that um, we want to spread across Australia. Get more communication with home coaches, with athlete coaches, and the futures coaches to make this program work really well. Yeah. Nice. So when when you call it the futures program, where is it actually aimed at? Like, are we looking at Birmingham, Com Games? Yeah. That's the, what the funding is for, for Commonwealth Games Australia. Um, trying to look at those first-year youths, but also being able to transition their second-year youths into strong elites for the National Elite Program. Right. Do you think that's uh, where we fall down sometimes within Australia? We, we sort of lose those youths moving into the elites because it's it's such a great step and it's a, it's a big... It's a, massive step for these kids who are, you know, fighting men or yeah. fighting actual women? Yeah, I mean, we've had we've had three three world junior and youth champions trying to get more of that, more of a smoother transition to the elite so we can have three or four yeah. elite world champions. So 
I mean, it's difficult because you got the, you know, you got professional boxing, you got um, rugby league, you got other sports. So, trying to keep the youth involved and an exciting program like this keeps them engaged yep. in the sport. We get to see what goes on behind the scenes, which I think is a very important element. Um, how can we fix things if things yep. become difficult for that athlete? Um, and these squads, I, I wanted tight, a real tight exclusive group of athletes where we have lots of communication within the state coach and the athletes coach mm. and, and athlete. And then that all comes back to me. So if I have to, you know, support a certain athlete to keep them in the sport, to keep the sport growing, then I will. So do you, when you look at it uh, through the junior and youths, and once they hit that last year youth stepping into elite, do you, do you see it as a bit of there's a bit of burnout there just from the kids being um, boxing all the time and boxing just being their main life? Yeah, and that's what we've we've got the health and wellbeing centre involved now with ours. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah, to it's try and to what's been done before. Yeah, trying to do in you know when there's those situations where kids leave school to mm. box full time, that's a worry for me. Because yeah. I was one of those kids, yeah, yeah. and I think, wonder if it didn't work out. For me, it worked out, yeah. but uh, it doesn't always work out. So well, let's be honest; it, it, it worked out because you were you were driven to that way. Yeah, I made like, it work out uh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. There's no yeah. such word as luck. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're lucky if you win the lotto. Let's be honest, but you make those you made those yeah. things happen. And you know, I, I say to our guys all the time, like. You know, sometimes it might not be your day today, but you've just got to stay in the game, keep believing it. It will happen. Yeah. It will fucking happen. You know, yeah, resilience. Yeah. I was sat down just at breakfast before with Clay Waterman. We spoke about a sing, sing, similar thing. Um, you, he said, I asked him what he was doing for work, and I think he's working in a factory at the moment after trying to work in a bank. And he said, when I was working in the bank, it was really hard not for somebody else to got other goals like me with boxing because it's a full-time job, it's a lifestyle that you've got to commit to and go yeah. to clients and whatever he was doing. And I said, so you can understand now how how hard it is to stay in boxing after you finish school. Yeah. Well, school, you've got your, you know, your structure of your in your homework and that sort yeah. of stuff. But and then you can have time off school to do boxing. The minute you're working, mate, it's pretty hard to get a boss that's going, yeah, mate, yeah, take take another week off from boxing and when yeah. you're not getting paid, like it's. So Jack, how did you find that transition um, going from? You know, and finishing high school, I know you didn't go to uh, schoolies, mate. Yeah. I think you've missed schoolies, you missed 21st, you missed your 18th. How, what got you through that transition? For me, well, I've got a really good family support at home and good coaches. So I found that transition a little bit easier. And you and Gareth never, like, made, like, I had to do boxing, right? But it was never solely focused just boxing 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 like i might imagine it might have been a bit different for jamie because obviously you're living at the ais since you're 17 so everything's pretty much boxing where i've had that a little bit of a balance and been able to, i still played footy up until i was 16 17 and then i made that transition but it is a big jump and coming from a youth and then stepping up and i'm not really i wasn't a man at that You're stage, still not, mate. I'm still. I got no facial yeah, hair. Yeah, so. that's right. Is that all right? Yeah, that's okay. I don't have to shave yeah. every competition. No. I told somebody you shave. Yeah, you had a shave at the state tiles, which is two months ago. Yeah. I, I didn't shave right. till I was 21. I yeah, think. that's right. And that was only because Gareth kept giving me shit about it. Yeah. yeah, but I found the transition was tough for me early, and now it's like 
I'm 22 and I'm starting to fill into my own boots. But it's because I had that balance early on and good family support. So, Jamie, you were under uh, Bodo's uh, ruling. Oh, I shouldn't say ruling, but coaching. The rain. The rain. The rain. Um, so, you know, as a kid, mate, you would have been facing <laughs> some some real big adults uh, in your way to, to your road to success. So what did you do? Um, I mean, for me... Life wasn't the best before I met Bodo. So, like, in and out of refuges in Newcastle, broken family, couch surfing, missing school, just focused on boxing. So, when I was 17, I came in that I was like a young 17. Um, I won elites. I was, I was, I needed him. I needed a strong yeah. role model. Hard structure I, too with Bodo. Yeah, yeah structured. Yeah. I didn't have any structure yeah. in my in my so. life as a kid. So. So come into that environment and he was, you need to be here at this time, this time, this time, this time or else. I, I needed that at that yeah. time. Did as you much struggle? As, did you struggle getting like with the structure straight up no, or I adapted, did you thrive? I adapted to him straight away. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of the other athletes didn't, didn't, didn't um, adapt to him straight away. And I mean still now, I still catch up with him every week where some of the former athletes I travel with say to me, why are you still talking to him? Yeah. Like, because I, I just found him different than yeah. other – I just seen him as a different person than other people seen him, I guess. Mm. I, I like the structure that he brought. Look, at the time, a lot of people didn't appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I really liked the fact that you knew where you, was, where you stood, you knew what page <laughs> you were on. <laughs> if he didn't like you, straight up he told you. Yeah. You know, and um, it was very different for Australians in – it was very hard at the time for a lot of um, boxers to wear. Obviously, Bodo came from, I think, South Africa, Nigeria. He had medals with those countries' Olympics and then tried to run Australia the same way. So a lot of people early on really struggled with, who is this guy? But now that Bodo's gone, we, we sometimes, oh, you know, a little bit look back. And like, I, like, because he pulled a tight rein, everyone knew where they fit. But me, I will give... Any credit that I have to Bodo as far as that's where I learned. I learned through Bodo. I, like I was a coach before that, but to me it all started making sense when I met Bodo because there was like year, remember the training plans? He'd yeah. written in German um, uh, like code, wasn't it? Like yeah. it was like certain things. Had different and yeah, 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 different. And the whole year was planned out. So you knew exactly – in three you months you, you knew exactly what training session you were doing in that one day. You know, look, there'd be – personal interaction with those training sessions, little bits of movements around it. But, um, yeah, I like that anyway. But um, Yeah, I, I, want, I wanted to ask about what that program looked like when you first went down and the training sessions and <laughs> if um, you could tell us a little bit about the program. And, tough, yeah. tough. tough. Yeah. yeah, the day the day we met as scholarship holders, I think there was four of us, the first scholarship holders in 99, we had five 2,000-metre sprints on the track. Shit. With a I'll minute rest. one down, Jimmy. Just run, 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 uh, no, down, no, down, no. Down, down, with hey, one we've evolved minute. from that now. <laughs> <laughs> with a one minute rest, I think it was back then. Did you make it? The times. Did you? Yeah, make it? Uh, you had to stick between one fifteen and one thirty for a lap. For a lap. Four hundred. For a lap. Holy shit. For for the two thousand meters. So minute rest like at the start. Laps. At the start, it was a minute rest until sports science got involved and said, can we change some things here and, and whatever the workload is, we rest load. And, and he was convinced eventually. 
Um, were you boxing four twos at this stage or? Five, five twos. Five twos. Okay. Five twos. Okay, that so makes then then sense. Yeah, we actually, no, that's, that's before most listeners, listeners were born. I think. <laughs> 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 that, that, that goes to my boy. Yeah, well, it's still snows in Cape. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were pretty smart, and he commended us when we came up with this. That when they changed it to four twos, me, Jason Delisle, Benny Serrano, Greg Eady, we went to him with an application saying that they've changed it to four twos, and we think that the Can we sleep five two thousands <laughs> should go to four two thousands. Yeah. And he actually read it and went. Yeah, I agree. So We're going to drop it yeah. But then he would, the next session, he'd be there and we'd do four and he'd go, okay, one more for the Germans. Yeah, it was a tough, it was a tough program. And sometimes he got the periodization right, sometimes he didn't get it right. That's but uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. But um, And then a few hours later, we would be in the gym doing some technical stuff and then. Afternoon. Sometimes we'd train four times a day, six days a week. So, Sunday off, but you'd still check weight. So when you look at the periodization, like you say, sometimes you got it right, sometimes you didn't. Do you think periodization is different for each person? Yes. 100%. You just can't run that same periodization as you do to yourself and Jack, and you know people are wired differently. Yeah. Yeah. With heavyweights, it was tough for. For for the foresight was there later on. Whiteheads and that one minute thirty. Mm. They're, they're big boys. Yeah. So let's be honest. Like, the the boxing's a different game for heavyweights for lightweights. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, I agree. It should be an individual mm. plan. Yeah, your, your training game because some people don't agree with running, or their body doesn't agree with running, yeah. or their, their fitness levels don't agree with it, and mm. you have to change things around a bit and put some alternations in there. But, I mean, getting someone to peak, they're still studying it now. Yeah. Right? yeah. Getting someone yeah, a peak athlete three to four times a year. It's, That's it's tough. difficult, yeah. very difficult. Right? So if you look back um, at, or, or as what we touched on, transitioning from a, a youth to an elite, can you remember your first elite bout as, yeah. you know, I was six. Memorable? I was 16 and eight months. Right. And I fought in Kempsey, New South Wales. 16 and eight months pregnant. <laughs> oh. no? Sorry, mate, I got men, it wrong. Men can't have babies. Oh, now. sorry, mate, sorry. Mate. <laughs> um, yeah, and my dad at the time had a big influence on my boxing career. He wasn't a boxer, but he said, well, you're elite next year, so mm. I want you to fight there. Mm. I think he was the Australian champion at the time um, out in Kempsey, my first elite fight. Um so Stop just to him. be clear around that, you were 16 and 8 months. So what was the elites back 17. then? 17. 17 yeah. to 34, I think it was. Yeah. And that, well, under that sort of same structure, that's when we had people like Amir Khan winning a silver medal at 17 mm. years old. Yeah. for Mario Kindlin at yeah. Athens, was it as well? Athens. Athens as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and then remember the next Olympics? You couldn't. You couldn't. Was it the next Olympics or was it the one after where they changed the age limit? Beijing. Yeah, you couldn't be 17 and boxing at the Olympics. I'm thinking, but well, we'd never heard of people like Amir Khan and Muhammad Ali if that was the case then. You yeah. Know what I mean? so, so, that's so, it. Yeah, well, I meant – and Arthur would be very open with with and flexible with that stuff. So I, I think I won a lead, New South Wales elites 
16, but I turned 17 by the Nationals. So he'd let me go in the yeah, elite yeah, New South yeah. Wales and yeah. go, yeah, it's okay, sign here. Yeah, yeah, Get yeah. Dad to sign a form and we're, and we're done. So, so yeah. that fight, you stopped him? I stopped, yeah. And I think it was Nigel Smith, I think it was out at Kempsey. Hmm. Stopped him in the, the first round and the elite. And then I wanted to fight elites from then on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wasn't, yeah. when he came, world under-19s, um, I... Won, I won the nationals yep. and then got out of the ring and I won the semifinals. Yeah. Got out of the ring and Billy Sane was with me out the back talking to me about the next fight for the finals. And Arthur came out and said, Oh, sorry, we've reversed the decision. And I said, We've already booked his fights for the under 19 worlds. Oh, Jamie. Um, what? So they reversed the decision. Then that person won. won Wow. The elite, the the title, the Australian yeah. title, and then Coach so Bodo's really, first first nationals yeah. in '98, and then he came out and said to me, "No, I want you to box off in Canberra yeah. at the Combat Centre now at the AS for the Oceana spot." So mm. I boxed him down there and knocked mm. him out. Oh, I was so, two in '98. Oh, well, yeah. oh, just to make you feel a bit older, mate. I was two. I was two. No, but listen, it's still snowing in Canberra. <laughs> oh. So uh, I, yeah. So I remember you as an amateur boxer, watching you as an amateur boxer, and I remember you had a, a great amateur boxing style, especially for the point scoring system at that time. You know, you yeah. it was you were in and out, rangy southpaw, probably one of the most difficult guys to fight to come up with a plan how it could work. Um, I want to so, and then when you turn professional, I remember. People saying, "Oh, how's Jamie going to go as a pitman?" It's not as a as a pitman. How's Jamie going to go as a professional? It's probably not his style. People, you know, that's every, everybody's polite. got an opinion. That's a bit polite. That opinion. Well, like, yeah, true. You're going to get destroyed. Everyone's got the opinion. Everyone's like, "Oh, he's not going to make it as a pro. He does this." I actually remember the same sort of people saying it about Geely too, as well. Yeah. Well, you know what? You can prove everybody wrong. And you went on and won. Uh, sorry, fought for a world title against Felix Sturm in Germany. You know, one question that's thrown up and people talk about it all the time, I want to know if you can answer this for me. People say the pro game is so different to the amateur game. I have my feelings on what it is, and especially at the time when it was a single point per punch and everything like that when you were changed. So what was what do you see as the difference between the professional and the amateur game? Back then it was slightly different to what it is now because we're probably a little bit closer to the pro game now with mm, the point scoring yeah, a little closer. Yeah. Um, but... Think about your first few fights. Who were you with as a pro? Um, who, who was your coach? Dean Robinson. When you started? Yeah. Did we stay with him? I stayed with him up to. Oh, you uh, went to the, the Graham World, Center, world yeah. title and then went to Graham Shaw. Yeah, nice. So what was the biggest learning curve for you when, you, when you've started changing your style? What, what is it exactly that you, was, is different? I think it's time. You have to adjust to the time. Uh, mm. Like... I went from four twos at a fairly intense range. That's right, yep. To six threes, I think it was a month later, I yep. thought, after Olympic or six weeks later. Mm. Um, six threes as a pro against a fairly experienced pro, four and oh. Yeah. Um, been around a, a little bit in the game. So I was trying, I was like, I, would, I remember Robbo saying to me, um, you're going to have more time than what you think. Mm. And I was just like, 
like I listen, but you kind of just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't I know. Can't feel it. You yet? don't yeah, yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. You don't know until halfway through the fight, you realise I'm only halfway. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. You've got more time, so the mo- slow your movements down a little bit, and you kind of. For me, it took a little while because I had 187 amateur fights, like, and I was I was schooled to the amateur system. Then, yeah. like, we would have. Down there, we would with Coach Bodo would have presentation sessions just on the scoring system yeah. as wow. a as elites. Yeah. Like we're elite Australian champions, we've been to worlds, and we'd still go over the scoring system. So I was I was like a robot to the scoring system. Boom, boom off, jab off, one two off. Don't hit them to the body because you'll have to commit too much. Yeah, stuff um, like that. Would all your sparring sessions be with amateurs as well? Like, yes. um, yeah, yeah. At, the, at the start, he started to change a little bit during the end, but yeah, yeah. amateurs with amateurs because and you so you're to just molded to system. that style, aren't you? Yeah. yeah, where now I see a lot of us, a lot of the amateurs aspiring pros early on. Like, you see, like Shakur Stevenson, I yeah. know you've, yeah. you've seen in camp sparring people like Terence Crawford over six, eight rounds. Yeah. yeah, so by the time they transition, it's just so much easier for them. And that's one thing with the Americans, too. I don't think, in my own eyes. When the scoring system went from like the Roy Jones days to the, the single point scoring, like how we're talking, it went. I don't think the American the Americans even changed their training style anyway. <laughs> they just went, well, fuck it, we'll just try and train as we do. We'll, we'll just try and. And now they're probably coming back in a little bit more because the point scoring is a little bit more the pro style. Do yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a it's a very pro culture yeah. over there. Yeah. Which, man, the smartest thing. They did, and I don't want to disrespect anyone from America, but he's bringing Billy Walsh in because yeah, yeah. he's a foreigner yeah. coming into a country with the professional culture embedded in them. Yeah. Um, they trusted him a bit more because he knew the system. Yeah, you know? so you've done a bit of work with Billy. And, yeah, yeah, uh, spent uh, a month with Billy. Yeah, so is there a lot of things you've picked up um, that you've brought back to Australia and, and thinking, you know, we can implement this and and push it further within Australia? Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's the world, he got voted the world's best coach in for AEBO, very switched on, intelligent man, in and away from boxing. Um, I mean, he's, he's technical styles a lot around preparation and feints and show them something before you do this and to get a reaction out of them, do something first, mm-hmm. see how they react, mm-hmm. punching every one to four seconds, yeah. Um, every session to embed that in your in your style and in your practice. So he's very much around good preparation and good completion. I living with him, him and his, and his wife for a month while they're in camp for the world elites, being mentored him for a month. I just you can't pay for that. Like that mm. was just amazing. Like, so <clears throat> with his teaching, like as Gareth was saying, that the Americans look like they've got more that sit down pro kind of style is he teaching that or is he teaching a diversity of good feet and sort of sitting down at times yeah well his assistant coach k he's got um maya um and he's got shakur as their assistant coach so their blend's pretty good Mm. because billy's a lot around feints and tricks and preparation and completion and being active clean shots and you've got coach k that mentors on on the side so they've kind of got a bit of a mix now yeah, you'll nice. see 
you see little changes in the American system because they they still sit a lot and do lots of trunk movement and, yeah. and head movement, but they've also got that lead hand showing yeah, them that yeah, lead yeah. hand Prep and that preparation yeah. and making some different angles. And so, do you think that's where he saw the the gap in the Americans because yeah. they did fade off for a little while there on yeah. the world scene? So. Once they got him in, is that where he went, you know what, this is where we need to hone in yeah. and, and get these guys to the world yeah. scene better. And coach education as well. When I was over there, he brought nine coaches in for the World Championship camp and they had as coach well coaches, as the – Coaches, you mean? Yeah. yeah so right. he would bring them in and let them run sessions and I – yeah, don't do that, do this or like, – Yeah, well, just work with them. Yeah. 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 So um, – and they they never had I don't think they ever had a coach education program yeah like that before so and, and that's hard to break that culture because a oh, lot of coaches think they you know their way is the only way yeah. and they really against they say they want to learn but actually when, when somebody's yeah. telling them oh, I want you to try and do this it's like oh no you don't do that you don't do that you know what I mean yeah. like it, it happens all over the place where you know what let's be honest the best coaches are open minded. And want to learn. And want to learn. Yeah. Nobody knows everything in boxing, no one in the no. world. Yeah. You know, that's why, you know, yeah. you, you just got In that hand, do you think it's um, because they had Billy Walsh? They all went, oh, we've got to listen to this. But there was that sense of respect. Well, and as well, he, was, he gave them opportunities where they yes. never had opportunities before. Yeah. It was like, Mom, I think the culture was on the boss. Yes. You do I'll, pick you for camp, I'll pick yeah. you for a yeah. I'll pick you as a head coach of this camp, pick you for that head coach of this camp. But then they had a, a high performance coordinator, as, as you could say, yeah. and Billy, who would bring coaches in mm. to see what they've got first of all, and if any, and if he can be open and learn, I think, or or send them with him somewhere, yeah. but also educate them. Yeah, I got a question. You spoke about how Billy's um, like tactical training brought a big thing for the American boxers, but. Um, I remember you speaking on the boxer relationships he has and oh, yeah. and how he builds those and what did you take away from that learning? Yeah, I mean I've always been good with that, having that professional close relationship with athletes. Probably because of my age, you might say I look old, but I'm a, <laughs> I'm a young national coach, so I I, I relate I re like I relate to the athletes and mm. I was fortunate enough that I went through the system. As well, like yeah, when yeah. the Olympic Games, yeah. when the Com Games, so I can you know, kind of know what they're yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. in yeah. a way. But going to those Olympic Games and Com Games, you've also had the losses along the way as well, oh, yeah. which is a big thing. I remember my Com Games experience. Well, leading into the trials, I'd lost. I remember Jamie gave me a call up and just just checked in, make sure I was all right. Yeah, yeah. Which is stuff like you guys do for me yeah. as well. But like, it's good to have someone that's been through all that. And mm. had the knockbacks and had been resilient to give you a call and just be like, "You're you okay, buddy?" Yeah, mm. you know. And I think that's missing in the sport sometimes. Yeah, that, I mean, he's that got communication with athletes. That first few days when I when I went in with him into his house, we he would say to an athlete, "Have we caught up with coffee this week?" And I'd go, "No." And he goes, "Okay, well, let's book that mm. in for Thursday." Yeah. And I and I would just sit back, listening and watching, and I'm thinking. I'm doing everything right. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing everything right. Like, yeah. Because sometimes yeah, you question yourself. And to get better as a coach, you question yourself. Yeah. So um and that made me feel calm. I'm like, okay, I, this is what I do this. So Yeah, I'm doing it right. Yeah, so um 100%. yeah, he's a, has an amazing trusting relationship with with the athletes and the yeah. athletes 
trust and respect him. Yeah, that's yeah, and they've got different – it's a different culture over there, like you say. You know, Brooklyn kids come in, they respect him. They, yeah, yeah. Kids from Colorado come in, they respect him. So very well respected over there, very well received. But yeah, great nice. experience for me at the time too. That it was a couple of years ago now. So still relatively new yeah. to coaching. Yeah. Like, my last fight was 2013. Mm-hmm. But, again, you said relatively new for coaching, yes – that's right. But if you're willing to learn, you're willing to fucking learn. Oh, that was that was when I was in the coaching. I, I was doing my own thing and I I'd sort of – I thought I'd designed these – not designed anything new, but I thought there's got to be a name for for certain things, stepping and punching and everything like this. So I wasn't really taught those basic things. I was from a gym where you go and do 30 rounds on the bag and that's your training. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. As in, like, Open. let's be honest, how many – how many a lot of gyms are, are still yeah. training like that. Yeah. And then I went to AIS. I was so excited when I went down there for this first week with the NTID program. And I was just a – I was a new coach coming through. And the best thing I got from the AIS that time and, and meeting Bodo for the first time was, wow, there's actually names for these things that I've been doing. I'm yeah. not, like you said, I'm on the right fucking page. I'm, yeah. I'm like, oh, here we go. Now I'm excited because yeah. I am actually think I'm doing it right now. And then um, – but then I remember being down there just – like a kid in a candy shop running around them. It was lunchtime, so I quickly scoffed down my food and I'd go and see Ross Smith and just learn more about strength and con. And then I'd go and speak to his dietitian. And then I'd just soak it up where some of the other coaches were just like, I'll sit down and just, you know. What time does this finish? Yeah, 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 what time we finish? You gotta have that passion with it. Yeah, you anything you do. Yeah. Be, be, like being a young coach, you know, it's the best time to learn when you're excited about yeah. it still, I think, you know, because you can get, you know, we all get a bit flat sometimes in whatever we do, you know. So, but yeah. look, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to move on to to give people that are listening and myself, I'm excited about this. I really like behind the scenes information that people don't see. Let's let's move to pro boxing in your career there. Um, we spoke about the transition. I want to know about the Felix Stern fight. Look, Anybody who wants to know the, the Felix Stern fight and, and the result, and we, we you can find that out. You can probably see the fight on YouTube. I guess it's out there for people. Was YouTube around back then? Oh, oh, oh no, I don't know. Sorry. What I'm excited about is how did the fight come across? Did the manager get it? Did, was it a, just a – how did the opportunity come up? Your excitement, how did that feel when you thought, fuck, I'm fighting for the fucking WBA world title? Shit. I've got to go to Germany to make it happen, Bo. But you know what I mean? The training camp, what was different? What was yeah. – give us the thoughts. So let, let everybody know what it was like. Um, well, I in the pros, I started pretty quick. I fought Sean Connell my first fight. I think it was 4-0 and four knockouts. Sean who? Connell. When the Con- 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 Sean Connell. Yeah, I, local, I remember. He's local yeah, no, I do remember. Yeah. Oh, yes, he is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, then I think it was my sixth fight. I – had the opportunity to fight for the Australian professional title in Fort yep. Lake Sherrington up in his hometown. Um, on you a Jamie Wire show. Yeah. Yeah, I caught Les halfway through the fight, knocked him out, I think, in the fifth. Yeah. Um, then had the opportunity and Jamie Moy was doing a lot of the um, promoting for, for me back then, a bit of consulting. Jamie's a good promoter back back in the day. He, he was the one. He put really good shows on, didn't he, back then? Yeah, and he was a big part of – the start of my professional yeah. career. Um, so I had like a manager type. Yeah, well, him and my manager Dean Singleton work closely together. Yeah, nice. You have a like a co-management and uh, and a co-promotion kind yeah. of deal. Um, 
and they would work together. I'd fight on Jamie's shows, I would fight on our own shows, and Dean would put the shows on. So he he sort of thought it'd be a good idea if we put a show on and we got we fought for the WBF world title. Yeah, I won't say world title, so I'll say the WBF title. Yeah, because um, I don't want to uh, annoy the real world champions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, and as a promotional brand, that would be good for the area for me to fight for that. Yeah. So Jamie set all that up and Dean put the show on and. So he was a big part of the start of my professional career, Jamie. And um, yeah. and then he recommended dropping to middleweight and I sat with my coach. Oh, so you started super middle. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. I fought Olympics at 75. Yeah, true. I would yeah. struggle for 75. Yeah. And then sat down with my coach, Robbo and um, and Dean Singleton and Jamie Meyer and thought it would be a good idea to go down to middleweight and start chasing some regional belts. So the next show, I think it was, I had like nine, nine fights, I think, by then, nine and oh. Nuno Gonzalez knocked out Gavin Top and took all, got top yeah, belts, yeah, yeah, WBO, yeah. Asia Pacific, all the regional belts yeah. um, from that area. So at middleweight. So then Jamie Meyer got me in the ring up there and we challenged Nuno and we got the fight happening eight weeks later on the Central Coast and I yeah. fought him for... I think three of his regional belts, mm. and then all of a sudden, I realised, hang on a minute, I'm right in it. I'm Racked off your feet. Crack here. Well, so if we go back to it, when they said we're going to drop you the middle way, were you like, oh my? I got on the scales that day. Robbo said, get on the scales and see where you are now. And I was eighty six and a half kilos fit. Ooh, wow, getting the seventy two point five, half fit. So, so okay. So, if you look at amateur days and then you look at the pro days, what was the difference in getting below seventy five when you probably yeah. struggled? Twenty four hour weigh is a big thing. Twenty four hour weigh in, massive thing. Yeah. Did you feel your performance still? Yeah, I mean, for me, I was I overtrained. Yeah, I overtrained okay. a lot. Yep. So, um, Just I was always going to be fit enough, been smarter. Yeah, in that yeah. athlete mindset, it's very common. Make a middleweight. I was I was running fifteen k's <coughs> four days a week, mm. sprint sessions Tuesday Thursdays, boxing every night. Yeah, wow. And sun Sundays when I'd have a day off, I remember preparing for the noi noi fight to get a middleweight. I knew I had to drop more fat, so yeah. I was I was trying to run fifteen k's every day just to keep going. Right. Yeah. And so you reckon you lost power? Yeah. Like- I couldn't punch anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's power you could lose, no. But um yeah, yeah. I mean I was prepared for that fight because I'd just come off it, I think an eight rounder that I was fit for. So I'd started straight away because I knew they'd say yes, offer them good money for all the regional belts. Mm. So I knew they'd say yes, so I was straight onto it. But I remember about four weeks into camp, me running on a Sunday, supposed to be midday off, and I seen my coach's car coming up the main road, and I ran in the bush and jumped in the bushes yeah. and jumped down, and he pulled up. He pulled up near the bushes and, and was swearing and bibbing the horn, going, "Get out of the bushes now! I know you're in there," because I just wanted, I wanted to make weight, yeah. and I wanted to do this right. So, so right at the end, like it's uh, the day before weigh in. Right. Yeah. First, your first time middleweight. Yeah. Where were you sitting? Seventy six. Seventy. I had to drop. Wow. Five. Yeah. I had to drop five and a half. Already drained or? Um. By that. Yeah. Already. Way. Yeah. yeah. Way drained. Because super middleweight was seventy six. Yeah. So were you in your mind 
You're going to make it. No I was going to wait. Yeah. I don't care if I died. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to make weight. And, and, and that's a scary mindset for it's athletes, bad. but it happens all the fucking time. It's you know, bad. like Kerry Hope was, I remember him dumping six kilos the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like yeah. looking at Kerry just thinking, are you going to survive this, buddy? Man, but he goes, oh, I'll do it all the fucking yeah. time. It's like, yeah, but it's not right. <laughs> <You> <laughs> the know? first 12 rounds, 12 rounds, mm. rounder as well. Mm. Um, so, oh, yeah, so that extra distance as well is feeling yeah. like shit. So I was in the sauna probably two hours before the weigh-in and I was dry bone. Mm. Like I had 1.8 or 2 to go. I was dry as a bone. Mm. And Robbo's come in and said, we can't do it, mate. Yeah. We can't do it. And I've gone, no, no, I'll do it. I'll just run it. I can't sit in the sauna. I'll run yeah, it. So I put, I put the old the old plastic yeah, 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 garbage yeah, yeah, bag yeah. straight on skin yeah. and I ran – probably an hour, come back, and was on weight. So if you, in hot, I know hindsight's awesome. Bad. How would you... Don't recommend this at all. Yeah, but yeah, how, yeah. I, But it's part of the learning process, why you're, you're better yeah. now yeah. as a coach. And so education, how, yeah. How would you have done it differently if you were to do it again? Fight, catch, weight, fights a couple before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hit at 75, hit 74, yeah. 73 and a half, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. going to camp. 15 kilos over. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so then after after that fight, yeah. did you where did you hover around weight wise after that for the for 10 camp? kilos over. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I weighed in. So still so common in boxing, professional. Weighed boxing. in and we're we're going back 2006, 2007. Mm. That's a while ago now, mm. 12 years. Yeah. So Robbo would check my weight. Um, well, of course, at Wayne, and then the next morning to see how much I'll put on overnight. And so there was still some a little bit of sports science there. He, yeah. Well, he was just tracking where I was at. I was 80, I was 82, 7 or 80, 83 wow. before wow, I went down to wrap my hands. Wow. 10 kilos I'd put on from Wayne till five. So and I that's knew, that whole 24 hour, yeah. you know, refuel. So, what would you do after these fights to refuel and get your weight straight back up to there? Was it just any science behind that, or were you just do yeah. what you thought? Just eat and some water, yeah. Powerade, yeah. Yeah. pasta, yeah. water. So, when you got back water. in, when you're in the ring for those fights, did you knew you had the energy then to to, to do the twelve rounds? Worries in that in that twelve round fight. Did it go the distance? The yeah, fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Went the distance. So, did you have a few moments? When's this fucking second win going to come? Yeah, and you were just waiting for it, waiting yeah. and for that's, the event. That's a very that's a very good statement yeah. because I hadn't had that before. Yeah, I had that. I remember I fought I fought uh, William Gar, very tough South African for the WBF belt, and he beat. Masalina Masawi near that time. Yeah, so he was a tough, smart journeyman. I knew he'd be smart. And I remember pop shotting him for the first six rounds, thinking, yeah, this is going to be a lesson here. <laughs> yeah. And then there was a change in his his, his body language, yep. and this, and he came out and he was putting pressure on me. And I was thinking, hang on a second here. <laughs> hey, 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 stop, stop, stop. And that's when I thought, here comes a good journeyman. Yeah. So, um, and then that's that difference between pro and amateur boxing. Yeah. Well, learning there, I'm guessing this was a big learning day for you. Yeah. Yeah. A big, big learning day. I think it would have been the fifth. He come out hard. Mm. Thought he won the fifth. Come back in the sixth, and I'm thinking, yeah, I've got no second gear. Yeah. yeah. Where's my gear's gone? Yeah. And 
and I'll be dead honest. I mean, everyone knows I call a spade to spade. We had a head clash at the end of round seven. Yeah. And thank God they went to their scorecards and I won. Yeah. yeah. He was coming yeah. home like a train. She would have been thinking, yeah. fuck, I've got I would have went, I would have, I would have done it. Dug in, yeah. I would have done it. I would have probably dropped the next four out of the five. Yeah. Or yeah. he might have caught me. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I admit that, I admit that to the day that I was starting to get in trouble. Mm. I wanted to come back to that um, Stern fight and just the, we've spoken about this before, Jamie, is the, the feeling you had when you were in the dressing rooms. And I know you said something about the um, this isn't the Olympics or a yeah. statement along those lines. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that experience in the change rooms right before you went out? Yeah. Before? I mean, I was looking. That's why we boxed, to get those feelings. Yeah, you know, Olymp- The Olympic yeah. Games, walking out for the Olympic Games, preparing for the Olympic Games, I can never get back. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Like yeah. that moment for me was something that I needed in my life from a 10-year-old kid walking into Newcastle PCYC. I needed that moment. Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that because I'm I'm just going to jump on there. And you know what? That feeling is when people have that high in the sport, they want it again sometimes, and that's why some careers go on too long. Yeah, Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So when – I mean, and there's, you know, people in my dressing room and famous – Famous referees are coming in and telling me the instructions. I'm thinking, it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. And, yeah, the video cameras are there. I'm like, this is it. But then the first thing I thought about when I'm getting my hands wrapped was it's not the Olympics. Mm. Like, I think back now and I think, why would I think that while I'm getting my hands wrapped? I wanted to destroy him. I prepared well for that fight um, mentally and physically. but it was nowhere near the buzz I got at the Olympic Was game. it because you weren't with a team? So you were, had a team. It's a team, but it's a smaller team where it's not your, it's your coaches and your mentors rather than your, yeah. your teammates, you know what I mean? Do you think that's the thing? The, the Olympics was my dream. Yeah. Right. Jerry Keed. It was sort of my dream. Oh, let's yeah. turn pro now. You yeah. know what I mean? Well. I never wanted to turn professional. Yeah. I wanted to go to three Olympic Games. Yeah hopefully pinch a medal mm. and be where I am now as, as a national youth coach. Yeah. I never wanted to fight for world titles as yeah. a professional. I used to love watching professionals. Yeah. Pernell Whitaker was a god to me. But it wasn't your But goal. it wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to be a three-time Olympian and win a medal at, at the Olympic Games and stand mm. on the podium at the Olympic mm. Games. But then when the situation happened in Athens, that happened. Yeah. Then I turned turned to the professionals and went, I want to fight for a world title. Not, yeah. not really because my dream and in a way, it was a. I want to show people I'm going to fight for I a world can, title. I can do both. And like, like yeah. we said, people been doubting you at first. Like this me. bloke can't fight as a professional because yeah, you had a perfect amateur. amateur style. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you had a perfect amateur style. You know. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, people, people don't. A lot of people judge me that don't. They don't know me. Yeah. I'm fairly polite, quietly spoken, and like people probably are oh, not hard enough to mm. turn pro. Yeah. So this is a, a pretty serious question. How did you keep your looks when you went into the pros? Oh, actually, like, we've got a question about how your haircut hair stays so good face. all the time. Oh, no, yeah, it's difficult. Marks, it's it is difficult, difficult looking that good, eh? Do you soften your face every day? I've got a good moisturiser. <laughs> now, listen, what... I was born with indigenous blood, so I, I'm just it comes and looks come from our beautiful culture. Yeah, you know? right. But the thing is, though, I'm not going to touch that then. (laughs) And and honestly, that that is, there's a transition where back from when you were an amateur, you were wearing head guards and everything, right? 
then you turn pro, it is brutal. Yeah. Like Ooh. there is, and that's the, another part of the transition that you don't really realise. I mean, you probably would now because they've got the head guards off the amateurs. Mm. But closer, isn't it? But, you know, when people think of boxing, let's be honest, they look at pro boxing, blood, guts, mm. everywhere. Cut every fight, every yeah. fibre too. Right. Well, that's so, what makes the, that's makes the highlight. I was, cut, it, I was <laughs> cut with headgear on. Yeah. When you first got that major cut, were you like, oh, my God, like what, like, yeah. Were you a bit sort of taken back when you when you were? It was my first pro fight. Mm. I got cut, got a cut in the third round or something like that to the bone. And like at the time, you, I mean, I, I was lucky enough. I was in the ring with exhibitions and fights over two hundred times. So mm. boxing's boxing. Anything can yeah. happen. Fight outside and it rains. Whatever. Like you, you adjust, yeah. but. Like, of course, it's a worrying thing. What worried me mostly is when my eyes started to shut versus Sturm. Yeah. Then fights after that, when I'd get cut, mm. I'd think I'd panic and think my eyes are going to shut. Oh, I'm not going to ask. Right. Yeah. So, okay. in the Sturm fight, right, talk to me about the walkout. How was that? What was your music? That, um, give us that. Give us those feelings. You'll probably start getting goosebumps soon. Yeah. I'll take you back, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> So like, oh, that was that. I had goosebumps then yeah. when when um, Andy Raymond did um, a bit of a sound mix with Thunderstruck. And yep. of him introducing me. Yeah. on on the in the on the music and there was lots of booze. It's Germany, so hometown. Yeah. Um, did you have anyone there? So if your immediate team, did you have any family or or friends that were? My wife now. Yeah. I was dating her like a month, and yeah, she right. she came over and watched me get belted. So um, <laughs> oh, listen, there you go. <laughs> now will you marry me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got six stick scars. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I had a couple of close people there. Mm. Maybe there was a team of six. Yeah. Um, Still he was a probably the kid back then. Yeah. He was. He was. He was the local model for the underwear and all yeah. that on billboards oh, everywhere. So and it's like me in Brisbane. Very similar. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. similar. I get that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, when I, when we landed, um, like ten days out, the security come on the plane and and said, "Oh, we're here to take you to your car." I'm thinking, okay, why? And I walk out, and there's like. Probably 200, 250 yeah. people wait at the airport, and I was like, "Okay, it's real." Yeah. So walking out was, oh, it was yeah, it was amazing because the booze and that. Like I was like, "This is always wanted to fight for a Commonwealth title in England." Yeah, because oh, of the passion, you want the atmosphere there. Right? People yeah. throwing beers yeah, at me yeah, and yeah, something yeah, the way yeah, they're yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, bash. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I like I just wanted to experience that. So walking out, I was like, "Here we go." Yeah. So when you're walking out, and I want you to be. Brutally honest, were you shitting yourself? No, I honestly had the feeling that I was going to stop him. Right, nice, good. Okay. That's the yeah. best. Yeah, good. And I don't. I'm not a confident person yeah. either. I have to lift, talk yourself into that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I honestly thought after the preparation we had, we had Sakio Baker. Probably not tactically good for Sturm, but I was on twelve rounds with Sakio, which was I was fit for the fight. I was yeah, ready yeah, for the fight. Yeah. So. I was walking to ring thing, oh, I'm gonna stop him. Mm. Yeah. I'm yeah, gonna nice. stop him. And I'm gonna shake up the world. Yeah. And so, even when now I look back and he you can see a world champion. Yeah. When I had the press conference, I was in his face and I said, I'm gonna knock you out. Yeah. And and his reaction to me 
now I look back, it was a world champion reaction. Yeah. Okay, we'll see, son. Yeah. Like, he and was, he was just calm. Calm and confident, yeah. he'd, he'd gone to America and got robbed to De La Hoya. So he'd been through a mm. lot of experiences. Yeah. And and now I look back and think he just looked so calm. Sometimes it's not until years later that you can real, you, yeah. can, you can find little moments in your life that go, that was a lesson Damn. for me. But at the time, you don't a, get it. You can't know put I mean? an old head on a young Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, but you can could, transfer that into your coaching, do you think? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's what I've yeah. I've done. I'm I'm a much better coach than I was a fighter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. I and, think and, differently. I couldn't for me, and it's hard to say, I couldn't get the best out of me. Like yeah. in the in the gym I was killing it. Yeah. Sparring, killing it. Mm. I couldn't do what I wanted to do um fight time. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it took me a long way, but I'm a much better coach than I was a fighter. So, yeah. if you were to look at all your – how many pro and amateurs have you had all together? 25 and 187. Okay. So, if you were to look at all of those bouts, which was the hardest, pro or amateur? Like, mentally. Well, if, if you Mentally. All right, let's, yeah. Can we add this? Give us your – your three, your three toughest fights yeah, that just yeah, stand out in your head. Pro or amateur? Matt Koroboff, Triple G, Felix Dome. Yeah. So it's big names. Two as amateurs and one as pro, obviously. Two as amateurs, one as a pro. Yeah. yeah. So would you say in your amateur days you probably mentally shit yourself a little bit more because it was these were the top guys you were yeah. fighting? We'll fight medalists. No, Most trips, yeah. 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 Like I fought, I fought Triple G, Matt Koroboff, and Despain, Despain yeah, yeah. world champion yeah. from Cuba, mm. three weeks in a row. Yeah. Wow. So. Because we've, we've heard, well, stories about, you know, the boys being in Cuba getting lifted by so-and-so. And yeah. Have you got memories of Cuba? Doing camps in Cuba. Did I didn't mean, go, go to Cuba. I've been to Cuba. That was exciting. So one country I missed yeah. out on. I so, fought three Cubans, but I haven't been there. Three so, wins? Huh? Three wins? I, hit, I think I hit one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were to look back and, and what's your fondest memory in any of your boxing career? Fondest memory? Yeah. Yeah, it was a dream for me, but the moment was me coming back. I'm, I missed out on the Sydney Olympics controversy. I got cut when I was ahead on points. The yep. doctor stopped the fight, shattered me. I was seeing sports psychiatrists, probably didn't want to come back to boxing. Yep. Come back to boxing in enough time for the Commonwealth Games trials 2002 was an outsider. Chris Hamilton won a silver medal at the yep. under-19s the year before. Chris, Big puncher, yep. strong, just... I think he stopped Richie Rolls or yeah. beat Richie I Rolls. I think they got one each over knockouts, yeah. wins to both of them. So, that's so I had him in nationals yeah. and I had Jed Amani in nationals, two-time Olympia, yeah. was beating everyone at the time. So for me going into those trials 2002, I was I would have, if they had a seating system, I would have been seated about third or fourth. Yeah. So um, me fighting three fights in three days, breaking my left hand and getting cut and fighting Chris Hamilton – and no one thought I was going to win that fight. Yeah. No one thought I was. And what I, was your self belief like going into that tournament? Incredible. Yeah. You incredible. backed yourself hundred percent. Yeah. So back then, I only done a shout out to him the other day because I was. I found the tape. Believe mm. it or not, remember the caskets? Yes. The VHS. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I threw one of them 
try to put one of them in the DVD player, it doesn't fit. Didn't work. <laughs> no, but I got a transfer to DVD and I was watching it and, mate, when it comes to managing a team, we've got good club coaches that mm. are technically sound and, yeah. and you've got good team managers, state managers that can do both technically sound, good advice and can manage a team. You've got a national, national yeah. like there's different roles as a coach. I Billy Hussain lifted me for that. For that tournament, yeah. and and I give a lot of credit to to him. He had me in a good headspace. He yeah. was just the state coach, yeah. But um, and we, we, I fought his fighters all the time. But that tournament in particular, like I had like three tough fights, and he lifted me every single time. So yeah, I think I don't think I would have. I I love to say that it was me talent. I don't think I would have beat. Someone of that tournament without Billy Hussain in the corner. I think Billy Hussain is pretty underestimated coach in Australia. I think yeah. he's brilliant. Um, yeah. So have you done it's much training with him? Or? No, never. Yeah, right. He ever held pads for me. Yeah, right. He cornered me in the state team. Um, I think it was that that year was the only year that he went at, like in my time that he went as a state coach, but um, lifted me lifted me for that fight. Yeah. That, particularly that fight, just little things that I – I, I've got all this stuff in a diary that I read back on and go, okay, it's struggling with anxiety. Okay, let's yeah. go back and I'll flick through my history. And I'm smart enough to write all that stuff down. So when when I've got someone that's under like underestimating himself, fighting a world number two, everyone's talking about this guy. I was on the way to the ring thinking, yeah, I'm going to take him apart. And Billy stopped me just before the ring and looked said, look him in the eyes. You want this or you don't want this? And I go, yeah. I want this. And they go, we'll do it. Yeah. And it just changed something. It's funny how coaches can have such a big influence on your performance too. Oh, yeah. yeah. What, what about um? Have you ever fought Richie Rolls? Yeah. Twice, twice I fought Richie. Twice, twice. I was like, what's happened? I was in Adelaide, and then I shouldn't go and saw Yeah. Was there a knockout in one of them? Or? Uh, no, Richie. No? Richie never, never stopped me. We were putting eight count on each other. Never stopped me. Um, fought at about one a.m. at the national titles in Adelaide. I think the judge and Richie, incredible fighter. Can One punch. of my favourite. Can, can punch. punch. Yeah. I thought I won. I thought I won down. I thought I got a bad decision down there. Um, but each their own. You we got him in the Oceanas, didn't you? Went to Oceanas and beat him at Oceanas. Um, incredible puncher, incredible fighter. He couldn't, it didn't hurt me. He, but, oh, yeah, I got to admit, he's one of the nicest blokes I've met. Yeah. Um, yeah. Within boxing, Incredible day, human. he yeah. he found out my dad was suffering with cancer, and he come over with his wife and so and they're playing the guitar with the guitar your dad, didn't he? And 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 he yeah. He's a, he's he's a, a gentleman, perfect, true gentleman, perfect yeah. human. But also, I think the battle he went through changed him from yeah, what definitely. he was as an amateur boxer. Um, his mindset. Yeah. Do you yeah. think from where you were as a fighter, uh, uh, as an amateur, as a pro fighter? The things you've been through, life experiences, has that changed changed your mindset yeah. to now? Yeah, and I'm I'm, a, I'm an awkward, weird kind of guy. I yeah, think some right. people, people is that just in your books? <laughs> <laughs> but I think I you, you I, I'm like I'm I'm happy with who I am and who I've become, and yeah. I just be me now. So yeah. I don't pretend I'm anyone else, and that. I see we yeah. I mean, for me, life wasn't the best. Well, I mean, there's people, people way worse yeah, than yeah, me, yeah. way worse than me. But, but you only live your life. You only know your shit. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. And um, I look back now and think it was just all 
on purpose to get yeah. me who I am now and what the, the person I am now. And um, I don't regret any of the stuff yeah. that I went through as a kid because it's made me who I am now. Yeah. And you can relate to people. You're working with young people now, and yeah, that's you it. can say, "Well, you, if you, yeah, you, you just got to highlight those times when people are struggling, put your arm around them, or or pull their heads in." I suppose. Yeah, you know? but boxing, boxing in particular, I owe everything to boxing, which is why I'm here now as a coach. Yeah, I nice. owe everything in my life to boxing. Mm. Everything, my wife, my yeah. kids, um, who I am, what I've done for work, I owe everything to boxing because. As a nine-year-old kid walking into PCYC in Newcastle, if I didn't, I wouldn't know where I'd be. I know who I've done a few trips with you, and I know I've seen it firsthand um, how well you work with the kids and and what happens before and after um, fights. Where do you see yourself, say, five years from now? Um, tired. Oh no. Oh, oh, sorry, mate. Still snowing. <laughs> no, you got a long, long road. In five years' time, I'll be still doing the best job in the world, which is being a boxing coach. Yeah. Working with talented kids, checking up on them when they lose, checking up on them when they win, yeah. trying to find the perfect way to get kids on the podium in yeah. Olympic Games, whether that's yeah. me in a club, club in gym or whether it's me in a Tom state team or, yeah. or yeah. a national team, time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. I just and love teaching boxing. Yeah, and as far as the amateur system, you just mentioned that, but um, I know you've got a few pros down at your gym as well. So, um, Bailing Mannix, you want to talk a little bit about Bailey and oh. him as an athlete? Literally just got goosebumps. Yeah. Like, well, you do about your own kids. Mm. Yeah. About your own kids, but well, you know what I mean? They are, though. Starting to get a tear to my eye, honestly. Because, mm. like, what that kid goes through, like, with his, um, with his type one and the battles he goes through every day training – preparing for fights is just blows me mind. Yeah. Like he was, he's making me cry now because yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the kid's just inspiration. Yeah. He's 5-0, and oh, just won a state title, probably was close to being hospitalised during the warm-up because, yeah. of his, because of his levels. Incredible kid. Like, yeah, beautiful family. Yeah. And we, we've had a little bit to do with Bailey ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Great kid, really good bloke and oh, yeah. got a big future in the sport. So all the best to Bailey. And you, he's in good hands with you there too, mate. So I think I think I can relate mm. to him, mate. Yeah. It's hard enough getting out of bed as a dog one diabetic, let alone yeah, getting in trying to train. And yeah. fight for eight rounds and, yeah. and the training involved, he, you hats off to him yeah yeah great kid great family love training the kid had him for three years now everything's yes coach no coach yes coach yeah so what's next for bailey now looking um for yeah bailey looking for a, a test in october give him a break he's had three fights this year as a pro so yep. give him a little break for a while and um and prepare for october and hopefully get one or two more in um we want to go down the path of of state National regional yep. champion fight for a world title. So. Awesome! Yeah, yeah. that's great to news. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've always got Ross Pearson as well. Been yeah. been with Ross for probably five years on and off because of his UFC career. Yep. Was his hand coach in the UFC. Went to three UFCs with him. Amazing experience. Now he's transitioned to boxing. Doing really well. Doing Working great. really well. Um, very good athlete. Disciplined. Tough as nails. Um, yeah, exciting times 
for him, he wants to fight everyone. I'm yeah, like, nice. it's not like the USA, mate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, business as well. <laughs> build up, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but, nice. um, Tyson Lantry, good kid, yeah. eight and one, yeah. beautiful kid, went to the world juniors as an amateur, um, plenty of talent there. Yeah, excellent. We're doing a little bit of mentoring with Alex Cooper in, in oh, Canberra. Yeah, Alex Cooper, yeah, like Alex, yeah. Since yeah. February, I've been doing some work with him down in Canberra. I think he, I think he makes his debut September six. Very talented, Alex. Yeah, Actually, yeah. Tough he came to China when I went to China with me. Um, yeah. yeah, great kid too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, nice. Look, Jamie, I want to wrap it up, but first, mate, I just want to ask you a few quick questions. I want quick answers, mate. You don't even have time to answer. Off the cuff. About these. Off the cuff. All right, mate. Okay. So the first question I want to ask you is, tell us something that nobody knows about you, or few people know. Come on, mate, quick. Can be bad, crazy, whatever. Come on, the time is going to go. Oh, my God. Um, love lattes. Love, love lattes. lattes. Oi, not caramel lattes. Actually, what you used to. What's oh. yours, White Axe? Did you say have caramel? <laughs> well, we could have another conversation after this if you want. Yeah. With a latte. I, I, get, I, get, I, I get back to Love lattes. All right, excellent. What's your favourite chocolate? Just the Cadbury, plain Cadbury. Oh, yeah, nice. Oh, plain sort of guy. Chocolate. Melt plain it in the mouth. Of... Don't bite it. Melt it. I thought it would be top deck. I thought, if looking at your appearance, I thought it would be top deck. You know, you've got white, and, gr- white and black hair. I thought, I thought, I thought that's what it would be. Uh, what's your favourite all-time movie? All-time movie, Step Brothers. Oh. <laughs> All right. You've got to name five, five, five of your fame. Favorite Ooh. famous people? Who are they? Five of my famous: Kieran Perkins, Ooh. Pernell Whitaker. Yep. <sighs> Guessing they're all sports people. Famous: um, Troy Waters. Yeah, nice. Uh, Johnny Lewis. Famous people. Famous people. Uh, Jack Bowen. Jack Bowen. Jack Bowen. Well done, excellent. <laughs> Young Jack Bowen. From One Victoria. day we <laughs> The guy who boxes for Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last question. What does success mean to you? Everything. What is success? Success fulfilling your dreams. Yep. No matter what. Nice. Whatever, so, whatever gets in your road, run through it. Yeah. So what is yours from now on? Your own personal success. My own personal success is to be the best coach I could possibly be. Good on you, mate. Jamie Pittman, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Hopefully all the listeners, well, I'm sure they will. They'll love this episode. It'll be great. Thanks for being involved. We'll, um, yeah, and all the best in the future. Thanks, guys. All day.